just going to jump in this evening to the word of the Lord, Ephesians chapter number four, Ephesians chapter number four. As you're turning there, uh, we get ready to jump into our time together tonight. Let me remind you, and for your time of reading this week, it would be beneficial, I think, for all of us to take the time and to read Isaiah chapter number 43. Isaiah 43 basically is a proclamation where it says that I'm the Lord, your God, your savior, I'm your deliverer, I'm the, I'm your source. I'm the one that he's dealing. Isaiah, the prophet is delivering a word to, uh, the, the people of Israel and was telling them that you, I know you have some memories of yesterdays and, but I want you to understand, I don't want you to focus on yesterdays, but you need to understand that I'm the God in the moment. I'm the God of the present. And he makes a proclamation in that chapter. It's a very powerful chapter. And just a reminder that God is. As we shared this morning, there is no authority outside of the authority of Christ. But, you know, we find that he says, I, I'm able to make a way when there is no way. I'm able to do when nobody else can do. And, but then he made a statement in the middle of that chapter. And it says, but behold, I will do a new thing and now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I believe that there's times and seasons where God does a new thing. Doesn't necessarily mean it's new, meaning that it's never been, but meaning it is new to that body of people or it's new to that generation. It means that God is not giving yesterday's manna, but he has fresh manna for the day. How many knows that a warmed up slice of pizza is all right every now and then, but you don't want to live on that, nor does God expect you to. But God says, I, I want to give you something new and fresh. And, and I believe that at specific seasons and times, we find ourselves where God wants to take us to a higher height or a deeper death, however you might want to uh, explain that. But he has a vehicle that he uses to do that, and it's the structure of the church. And we're going to deal tonight uh, with, I, I had no plans until I was driving home uh, of sharing what I'm going to share tonight. But it took me back uh, a couple of years ago, and I had, I had put together and I had I had taught young leaders as well as uh mature leaders in a conference, talk to them about raising the standard. And the Lord began to deposit this back into my spirit. Uh, so tonight, for a few moments, I'm going to take us on a journey. We're going to deal with some areas that may be a little more teaching tonight than preaching, but I believe it's by God's design because of the simple fact is God will not take us to a place. As I said this, uh, this morning, God will not give you something that will destroy you. He will not do that. But when God desires to bring something new into your life or into your realm, uh, he expects us to position ourselves to be able to handle it. And how many knows that you just don't get there, but it takes a process. It's a preparation. And, and today I believe that if we'll hear, I believe that we can prepare ourselves for something greater than we've ever experienced uh, in our lives in the, in the spiritual realm with the things of God. So Ephesians chapter number four, uh, verse number 11 through verse number 15, 
for my note takers tonight, you might make sure you have a sharp pencil or a pen full of ink because I'm going to give you a lot of verses, all right, uh, here in just a few moments, but as we walk through this. But if the Lord would help me tonight for a few moments as a subject matter, we'll be using raising the standard. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 11, it says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. We thank you that you are doing exceedingly abundantly what we could ever ask or think in this very present moment in the lives of men and women all around this globe. But today, Father, I'm asking, I'm asking for the anointing of your Holy Spirit to rest in this room one more time today. Lord, I pray that this vessel would be anointed and that I would decrease so that you could increase. Let me not speak my opinions or my ideals today. They aren't even my convictions, Father. But Lord, let me speak your word. And Lord, I'll give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. And the church says, amen and amen. Thank you for honoring the word of the Lord tonight. And let us begin together. The need for godly men and women and to have godly leaders in this nation has never been greater. We are now living currently in an America that no other generation before us in the United States of America has ever experienced. In order for there to be a true awakening or an authentic spiritual awakening, if you will, there has to be first a raising of a standard within the body of Christ. You have heard me say over the years that one of the late great men of God simply said that the way that the platform goes is the way that a nation goes. You and I today, if you have been around the church world any at all, is simply this, is that we have saw things really change over the last 30 plus years within the body of Christ. There has been some positive change, but also there has been some heartbreaking things take place. That which we used to preach against, that which we used to stand and proclaim that this is what the word of the Lord says concerning it. We have altered and we have changed and we have formatted it to fit us in a place where we did not raise the standard, but we lowered the standard. And how many knows that any time a standard is lowered, the quality of that item becomes affected. You're not going to help me much tonight, but that's all right. Please hear me tonight. When you and I are beginning to make an investment in the areas in the natural, how and what do we do before we make that investment? If we are using our intellect any at all, we will begin to examine the quality of the thing that we are getting ready to acquire to make sure that it meets a certain standard. 
You do not invest in something that is not of good quality on purpose. Now, I understand that there's some really good marketing people out there, and sometimes you're disappointed by what you bring home. But if you are true to yourself, and if you would be honest before the Lord tonight, you would simply say that before I've ever made a major investment in my life, that I have did due diligence to make sure that that which I was trying to acquire or to obtain, it met a certain standard. Now, if we will accept a standard in any other area of our life, why is it that we have such a problem when we began to talk about a standard in the house of God. Now, don't let your mind start running. I'm not talking about legalism. or I'm not talking about meeting the things that man has set in order. But I'm talking about that we have to come back to a place where we understand that God has positioned and created a structure and a government within his body, the body of Christ, and we find that there is what we often refer to as a fivefold ministry. And we read that tonight. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now notice what their purpose is. It is for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Notice the whole purpose that he wants them to edify and equip and to bring perfection to them is so that they will no longer be children tossed to and fro. But the purpose of every one of these offices is so that they may grow up into him. Meaning this, that they will come up into a place where they will grow in a standard. The, how many times do you read throughout scripture where you hear the Lord simply say this to the man of God or the woman of God he's speaking to, come up hither. When he wanted to talk to Moses, he said, I want you to come up into the mountain. When he begins to take uh, uh, the, the prophet Ezekiel, he said, I need you to come up hither. I want to show you something that's going on in the spirit realm. There's always, he's wanting to call us up. He's, he's not taking us down. He's bringing us up because he wants us to get something. He wants us to have an understanding greater than what we currently do. If you raise something, notice with me, you move it so that it's in a higher position. God wants to take you higher today than you've ever been. He wants to take this ministry higher. He wants to take your family higher. He wants to take your community higher. He wants to take your nation to a higher high. Everything you talk about today, it's God's desire, his plan to take us higher. But not only does he want to take you higher, but he wants to take you to a higher standard that he has already set. He's not just trying to figure this out as you go along with him, but he's already got a standard set. He said, this is a place I want you. And now when you get developed here, then I want to take you to here and I want to take you to here. And every place that we go is a higher level or a higher standard. And a standard is simply this. It is a level of quality. It is a place that is acceptable. And it's not just by meeting the expectations of man, but it's meeting the expectations of God. I, I, I want us to understand that what we see today is really not acceptable. Paul clearly writes to the church at Ephesus as well as to you and I to reveal to them the true purpose of the leadership of the church and to bring them to a place where he understands this. Listen, you cannot ever get satisfied, but you must continue to allow the leadership of the Lord to bring a perfecting work in you and bring a work of the ministry into you and to take you to a place where you're continually being edified and you need to get developed. You need to strive for more. I have made this statement because I read it many years ago and I believe it speaks very uh, loudly 
And it was a simple quote that simply said, teach and when necessary, use words. I think that's a very profound statement today. I believe in order for us to really lead a generation into a place of spiritual maturity that they desperately need today, it will take more than words, but it will take lives being lived out before them. Can I tell you, the older folks in this room, you are marked by the people that raised you and that led you when you was younger. And it's not necessarily the messages that they preach, but it is the life that they live before you that has ingrained in your mind that they are powerful men and powerful women of God. It was their living testimony. It was the standard in which they held themselves to. Not a natural standard, but a spiritual standard where they simply said, I'm going to operate at this level because I understand people are watching. Do you understand today that there is men and women, young and old alike, that is watching your life, and it isn't necessarily what you say, but it is how you're living, that is giving them a very clear interpretation of who we are. That's why Paul, and you've heard me say this multiple times, Paul says in his, some of his final words, and final words are important. And when he's writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 7, notice what he says. He says, refuse profane and old wide fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. And notice what he says. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach, however, Timothy, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. What he was simply telling him was this. He said, listen, don't get caught up in the emotional side of things because a lot of people, when they read this passage, they'll say, when they read this, for bodily exercise profiteth little, they get excited because they look at it in the natural. It's not what he's talking about. He's simply saying this, do not get caught up in the emotional aspect of religion because you can have all of the emotions in the world, but if you don't really have a relationship with God, you don't have much at all. You, you, you can't shout your way to heaven. You can't dance your way to heaven. Please hear me this evening. But you and I need to understand there is a shout and there is a dance that's associated with it, but you gotta know why you're shouting. You gotta know why you're dancing. Please hear me. So therefore, Paul is telling Timothy, a young man that's going to carry on the work, he says, Timothy, I need you to raise the standard. I need you to be the example. I need you to walk in an area where people begin to see you and they want to, uh, I need you to set a precedent for your generation. And this is what I want to say to us tonight is we need to set a precedent for a generation. We need to let them know that it's not a fly-by-night deal, this thing that you call life and this walk that you call faith, but it is a standard where it requires things out of us. And it is a life of dedication. It is a life of principles. It is a life that is worth living. It is a life that can be exciting. It's a life that can be filled with joy. But notice with me, we have got to set a precedent where they understand what is expected of them. I want to deal with four areas tonight very quickly. 
I don't know how far I'll get into this, but I, I want to be obedient to that which the Lord is saying because I strongly believe tonight that the ministry in America is getting ready to go through a major shift. I believe our nation is getting ready to be shaken to its core like we could never imagine. I do not say that to bring fear, but there is some unexpected turmoil and there is the working of evil in this nation on a larger scale than we can even imagine. But when you begin to get along with God and you begin to spend time along and you begin to get a glimpse or you get a spiritual revelation of the demonic activity that's going on in our nation, it will make you have sleepless nights. And I will tell you this, it will make you be pushed by the Holy Spirit to make sure that your election is sure, but greater than that, it also it will make sure that you are positioning yourself in a manner that is pleasing to God. Because can I tell you, there is going to need to be some strong men and women of the faith for the days ahead. So there's a few areas that we got to become men and women of an example. If we are going to successfully raise the standard, it is going to begin in these four areas. And every one of us is affected by these areas. And I want to dive into them. Number one is this. One of the greatest attacks that's going on in America today is marriage. I want to make this statement clear tonight. Just because two... Believers get married does not mean that they have established a Christian home. A material house does not just come together, but it's not by accident, but it is by design. I've taught that over and over throughout the years. You and I need to understand that the same is true for our marriage. Psalms 127 verse 1 tells us that a house must be built. Matthew chapter 27, 24 through 27 will tell you that if you're going to build a house, it has to have a proper foundation if you want it to stand. The man that builds his house upon a sand will suffer great loss, but the man that will build upon the rock, he will suffer the storms. The same is true for your marriage. Please hear me. You cannot take it lightly. But your greatest place of ministry this week will not be in a platform somewhere. It will not be in a workplace somewhere, but it will be in your home. And you and I, if we're not careful, we will give all of our energy, all of our resources to everything except for the one that we said I do to. If you want there to be a revival in America, it will start because men and women of faith began to take initiative to make sure that their marriage is what God wants it to be, not what you want it to be. I'll trade places within of you tonight if you all want to be up here, but that's all right. But please hear me. You and I find ourselves in a culture today that simply says, bless God, I deserve everything that I want, when I want, how I want, and if I don't get it, I'll sit down and I'll pout like a two-year-old, and, and, and if I pout long enough, I'll get what I want. Listen, that is not the structure of a marriage that God wants. It's not of God. It's a spirit of rebellion. God doesn't bless it. Don't matter how much, you, how much you weep and cry about, oh, I wish it was different. Listen, the devil didn't make you do it. You chose to do it. You chose to act that way. Oh, help me, Jesus. A house must 
divinely be structured and put together if we want it to stand the test of time. Notice, when you start talking about a natural house or a natural foundation, the same is true concerning our marriages. I want you to hear us today. If you fail to allow God to guide you in the building of your marriage, if you fail to install the proper foundation, which is the word of God, please hear me. You will never experience what you desire to experience in a marriage. Please understand, your marriage has to be your most important outside of your relationship with Christ. It has to be your first priority. Your marriage is a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A healthy marriage within the body of Christ gives the world a beautiful picture of the gospel. Just as God unites a man and a woman together and makes them one, Christ, notice this, unites us to himself. We are one with him and we receive all that is his. Notice with me. Men, if you don't know how to love your wives, let me help you real quickly. Wife, say amen. amen. He says, you need to look how I behave when I'm dealing with you. Number one, he says this, I pursue you. I love you. I constantly forgive you. I continually care for you. Men, doesn't matter. If she's got on your last nerve or next to your last nerve, it doesn't matter. You have to continually to pursue her. You have to continually love her. You have to continually forgive her. And you have to continually care for her because that is your role. Because the word of the Lord simply says this, that men love your wives as I, as I love the church. The reason we have such an issue with a with a submitting of women to the role of a godly man in the home is because of the simple fact men do not love correctly. However, ladies, men say amen. <laughs> Just because a man don't do it right does not give you the right or the recipe or a free pass to do whatever you want. Oh, Lord, help me. Anybody want my place yet? Notice, you and I today need to understand the structure of God and the structure of marriage. And you and I have to realize that we set the precedent for a generation. And we find that, and I hear this a lot, throughout, and, and, and not just here, but in other places that I go and other places that I teach and do things, is, 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 is as I hear a lot of complaining on both sides of the aisle concerning this. Well, my man just don't do it right. And my wife just don't do it right when it comes to biblical structure or standard. And therefore, then they believe, well, I don't have to because they're not going to. I'm going to tell you something. That's just silliness. You and I need to understand that we have a responsibility to fulfill our role, not based on what others are doing, it's not, but it's simply doing what God gives us instructions to do. And if we're ever going to effectively have a move of God in a sanctuary, we are first going to have to have a move of God in our sanctuary called our home. And that only happens when a man or a woman takes the responsibility to fulfill their role and to fulfill it correctly. 
Your marriage is the greatest gift that you can give to your children. Please hear me. More important than giving your children a healthy church that you need to give them a healthy home. You and I need to understand the value. A healthy marriage gives them security and it offers them a front row seat for the things and for them to have an opportunity to see the love of Christ in action. If a man is really following after the things of God, he will love his wife correctly. If a woman is following after the things of God, she will respect her husband correctly and she will love him correctly. That has to come into a place of a realignment. Your marriage, notice this, cannot be ignored because it is one of the greatest tools that is used for you and I to go through a sanctifying process. You and I need to understand that when we choose not to prioritize our marriage, uh, then we are choosing to not prioritize the sanctification process that God has instilled in us and desires for us. Let me remind you in Genesis 2 and 24, it says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one. Your goal today should be as a married man, a married woman, is to become more connected with your spouse than you've ever been. Doesn't matter if you've been married five days or 50 years. But the enemy is always doing everything he can to bring a divide between husband and wife because he knows this, if I get this separated, uh, then I don't have to worry about too much in here. Uh, Ben, you don't have to worry about them really setting a standard or a precedent for a generation. Uh, But if I ever get to a place where a man and a woman come together in the marriage that God has ordained, uh, they will begin to be an example and they will set a standard, they will set a precedent that the world begins to look at and says, you know what, I'll want what they have because if it's structured right it will be beautiful not just in the eyes of God uh, but it will be beautiful in the eyes of men and women that are lost and undone and say how is it uh, that they can have such joy how is it they can have such peace Uh, how is it they can have such harmony Uh, how is it that they can get along and come to the place uh, of agreement Uh, it becomes a beautiful thing that's why some of you are fought so hard in your marriage But can I tell you, you've got to take authority. Men's got to step up and lead. uh, And at the same time, uh, women have to understand this. God, uh, I want them to lead, but God, you're going to have to help me to give them permission to lead because can I tell you, all of us struggle with authority. There's been a lot of people say, man, I just wish my husband would do it. Well, then he does it. Well, don't do, you ain't doing that right. Just listen. Oh, Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. We got to raise the standard in marriage. Do you understand that most children are raised without a father? And now a large portion of them are raised without a mother? All because that in our nation we no longer value the marriage covenant. Over 70% of children in America are born out of wedlock. Think about it. Some demographics, it's even higher than that. God has designed certain things to operate within the confounds of marriage. And the moment we step out of that is the moment we begin to be disobedient to the things of God and the moment we bring destruction instead of blessing. What am I saying is this? I can sum this section up real quick. As a man, as a woman, you need to fall back in love with your spouse. 
because the world is watching and the world is in need of godly men and godly women to set the example in marriage. Secondly, tonight is this. There has to be, there has to be a raising of the standard in the rearing of our children. Malachi chapter 4 verse number 6 says, And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Can I tell you today, there is parts of our society today that has been smitten with a curse because of the simple fact men has become so selfish and so self, excuse me, so self-consumed that their heart is not turned towards their children. It is this awesome responsibility to be called a father or a mother. Please hear me. Children complete the family as it was ordained by the Lord. I want us to understand tonight that the biblical view of children is as follows. Psalms 127 verse 3 tells us that children are the heritage of the Lord. Psalms 127 verse 4 and 5 tells us that children are as arrows of the mighty. We find in Psalms 128 and verse 3 that children are as olive plants. Psalms 127 and verse 3 tells us that children are the Lord's reward. Proverbs 17 and 6 tells us that children are a crown. One of the greatest blessings that God gives to men is children. Please hear me. They should be wanted and they should be loved. Our number one responsibility is to bring them into a place where they have an encounter with God. I know there is pressure to give them everything they want, but can I tell you, everything they want will fade away. The only thing that will not fade away is what they do with God. Listen, for lack of better terminology today, we will drive ourselves crazy trying to keep up with the Joneses, so to speak, with all of the latest and greatest and fail to give them love and development and we will fail our children. You and I today need to understand that we have to set the standard. Matthew chapter 19, verse 13 and 14 says this, then were brought unto him little children that they should put his hands on them and everybody tried to stop it. But Jesus said this, suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me. The greatest thing you can do for your child, the greatest thing you can do for your grandchild, the greatest thing you can do for any child that you are connected to is to bring them to a place where they understand that Jesus loves them. You have to bring them. Children are to be positioned to be taught, not the ways of men, but they are to be positioned to be taught the truths of God's word. How do I know this to be true? Is because in Deuteronomy chapter number six, verses five through verse number nine, you can read and it simply says this, that the Lord begins to give them a word and he begins to speak to them. But notice in verse seven, he says, and thou shalt teach them diligently, meaning all of the statutes of the commandments that the Lord had given them that day. He said, thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and thou shalt talk of them. Notice this, when thou sittest down in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you get up, he simply says this, they should be bound about, uh, uh, about as four lentils in your eyes. They should be present everywhere you go and you should write them upon the post of your house and you should write them on the gates. Wherever you go in and out of, there should be the word of the Lord in your life. 
Because can I tell you, you can't always be present with your child. But if you create an environment, listen, you're not going to be by that front door every time your child goes in and out. It. But if the word of the Lord is there, every time they go in and out, it, they're going to get God. You hear me? You, you, you're not going to be there every time they open up the refrigerator. But every time they open up the refrigerator, the word of the Lord needs to be in front of them. Oh, but I don't want my house to look tacky. I'm going to hear that going through some people's mind. Listen, you and I today need to understand that if you and I fail to develop a generation, that generation will fail to take their generation into the presence of God and the will of God and the purpose of God. And there will be a generation like that that was present after Joshua passed where there was a generation that did not know God nor the works that he did. And it was all because people failed to parent well. Taking them to church is wonderful, but taking them to the presence of God is something entirely different. The preacher can't do that for you. The Sunday school teacher can't do that for you. They can help you. But as godly men and women, it is our responsibility. Listen. There's a lot of times you just have to pause and have to do what you need to do. But the greatest thing that you can do is pause and take your children or grandchildren into a place where they hear the word of the Lord. I'm hurrying tonight. Children must receive also correction when necessary. Please hear me today. Proverbs 22 and verse number 15 tells us very clearly, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. When you and I are born, we are born in the fallen nature of Adam. Can I, can I say this to you today? There is foolishness bound in the heart of every individual that's ever been born on the United, in the United States or any other nation for that matter. Any individual that has ever experienced life, when they are brought forth, there is foolishness in that heart and that has to be dealt with. If it goes undealt with, it will bring death and destruction to them. But we don't like these passages of scripture because it goes against the grain, so to speak. But notice with me, Proverbs twenty-two, fifteen. the rest of it says, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. That is not talking about abuse. That is not talking about beating a child. I'm not condoning that at all, but I'm talking about there is times and seasons of correction. Listen. I don't have time to get into this, but here's one thing that I will say concerning correction when it comes to children. Never correct a child when you're angry. Never. Never correct a child when you're angry. Proverbs 23, 13 to 14 tells us, withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Now, some of the old timers took that and ran with that. You can talk to some of my, old siblings, my older siblings. They wasn't as good as I was. I didn't have that problem. Uh-huh. No, mom and dad just wore out time I come along. They had 13 of us, so. But notice with him, it says, thou shalt beat him with a rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. What he's simply saying is this. We're not talking about physical abuse, but they're saying this. What Solomon was writing, he said, if you will bring correction to a child, you will spare them. You will bring them to a place where they understand, as we talked this morning and preached this morning, they will understand authority. 
You and I do no service if we never bring correction to our children, our grandchildren. We do no service because if they get away with everything in your presence when they're 18, they will not get away with their, with their stupidity and their foolishness that is bound in their heart, but they will be sitting in a prison. I've said this over, over the years because I heard it from my dear friend that's in heaven today, Brother Rick Clendenin, when he walked into a maximum secure prison and they took him to death row and all of those men that was there and he simply begins to sit and talk with them in the yard and he spent the whole day with them. He began to say this, tell me about your father. And they began to laugh. One big guy just began to laugh so loudly. He said, what in the world is going on with you? And he said, what do you mean tell us about your father? He said, look around. If all of us would have had a father, none of us would be here. What he was simply was saying is this, if somebody would have been present to bring correction and direction in our life, we would not be in the place that we are today. I know you love your children, but please hear me. If you really love them like you're going to, like you're supposed to love them biblically, there will be correction involved. Correction is direction. Notice with me, I'm hurrying. When a child is given no correction, foolishness is left in that child. And it will give birth to pride. Proverbs 14 and 3 tells us that the danger of pride, notice this, when pride cometh, then cometh shame, but then with the lowly is wisdom. Notice with me, if we never deal with the foolishness that's in the heart of the children, then we are letting pride begin to be birthed and that pride will bring shame. Not just to them, but it will be, bring strain, uh, shame to you and your family and to your community. As leaders, we must set the precedent. We must raise the standard. And we must begin to tell children that there is some things that's not acceptable. And there's some things that is. That has not been mean. But that has been loving. The Bible teaches us that we must train them in the things of God. Proverbs 22 and 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. How many knows, though, it's our responsibility to train? God has given us every tool that we need. It's our responsibility. I'm hurrying. Thirdly is this today. You and I, if we are going to experience a move of God, if we're going to walk into the things that God has for us, we are going to have to understand this, and please hear me, Our word must be good. What do you mean by that, Pastor? I'm talking about raising the standard. I'm talking about setting a precedence where we are the exception, where we are the example. Those of you that have worked with me any at all around here, I'll say this. I'm not after perfection, but I am after excellence. I'm talking about raising a standard because why? It's because God deserves the very best that we can give to him. How we live our lives should be a great reflection of who he is. You can walk into many restaurants. You can walk into many places of business. And you will find this, that the owners of those and the, and the, and the staff of those places say some of the rudest people, some of the most difficult times, some of the most difficult people is when the church comes into their establishments after an, uh, an evening service or a day service on Sunday. That is not conducting ourselves well there has to be a raising of the standard notice with me if you and I are going to ever effectively give birth to a move of God in our community or any place that we find ourselves or any group we're associated with our personal business must be in order 
I told you I'd be a little more teaching tonight, and I don't know why, but this is what the Lord gave me. And I'm not going to apologize for it, so stay with me. I'm almost done. We find that personal business is something that must be looked at and examined and understand that you're not just representing yourself and you're not just representing the name that's on the side of your truck or on the side of your building, but people know that you profess to be a Christian. So you're also representing the kingdom of God. Please hear me. Proverbs 22 and 1 says, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. We also find that Ecclesiastics chapter number 7 verse 1 says, A good name is better than precious ointment. May I ask us the question today, how good's your name? Can people count on you? If somebody calls your place of business and you say, hey, yes, I can do that. I'll be there at uh, 8 o'clock tomorrow. Are you going to be there at 8 o'clock tomorrow? Are you going to be there at 845? Are you not going to show up at all? Because can I tell you what happens with that is this, that then the enemy looks at that and simply begins to say, well, don't you know those are supposed to be Christians? Yeah, if they was Christians, wouldn't they keep their word? See, why do you want to be part of that? The enemy uses all of this negative thing that he can. He's always looking for an inroad to tear down and to destroy and to take your testimony. What I'm saying to you today is this. Uh, let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries. This is what Paul is saying to the church at Corinth. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. You and I should be faithful to our word. We should be faithful to the commitments that we make. Uh, And if we tell somebody, we are to be able to do it. If not, we are to take an initiative to make sure that they know we're not going to be doing what we said we was going to do. There is no excuse today in our culture for somebody to be left hanging because we did not follow through as men of God and as women of God. Please hear me. I'm talking about taking us to a higher level. It is impossible to lead without influence. And the only way you will ever have influence is if you get, and you only gain influence by honoring your word. You and I need to understand that many struggle in regard to personal business due to this, due to the failure to communicate and to follow through with commitments. Can I tell you, never assume, never, 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 never assume that somebody knows what you're thinking or assume that they know what you're doing. You must communicate. You and I today, if we are going to be the godly example and if we want our businesses to be blessed and we want God's hand of favor to be upon it, you and I must understand that personal business is not our business, but we are just stewards of that business and therefore we are stewards of the blessing and the favor that God has given us. Your talent, your ability is not your talent. It is not your ability. It is a gift from God, and you should use it to bring glory and honor to the Lord. And the only way you do that is if you conduct yourself in a manner that brings glory and honor to God. And when we tell somebody we're going to do something, then don't do it. Please hear me. That does not honor God. But now it's become acceptable, even in every area of business, even in every area of government. 15 years ago, you would have been crucified if you was a senator and stood and was caught red-handed telling a lie. But today, you can hear a lie and you just keep going on and nobody flinches about it. Nobody talks about it. They just simply say, oh, that's all. Oh, that's just the way they are. Listen, the same thing in ministry. There is times, listen, I understand everybody's busy. But if you've got a telephone and you've got a telephone number and you give it to somebody, call them back if you're too busy to answer it. But listen, do not just ignore people. 
The enemy uses these devices to put thoughts in people's head. Well, they just don't love me no more. Oh, I must have did something to them. Oh, they, I must have hurt their feelings. So now, now we're going and we're going. And, all of, and then we find all of this device and we find all of this stuff. And it's because that we allow inroads for the enemy to come in. But in personal business, can I tell you, do not give place to the enemy whatsoever. But say, you know what? My word is going to be good. Remember, you're not just representing you, but you're representing the kingdom of God. Proverbs 12, uh, 10 and 4 says, He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. You want the blessing and the favor of God? Be diligent. There's no way around it. We must be diligent in our personal business. We must honor God with our time, our talent, and our treasure. You've heard me say the three T's all, all for years around here. Notice there's three things that God has given us. It's our time, our talent, our treasure. The three T's. You've got to be a steward over every one of them. If you are, you'll walk in the blessing, the favor of God. You will not have lack, but you will have abundance and you will be an increase. But if you are not diligent with your time, if you're not diligent with your talent, and if you're not diligent with your treasure, you will never break the curse of poverty. But when a man or a woman will diligently follow after the things of God and diligently do what God has given and entrusted in their care, notice with me, he will take and he will breathe up on it. He will bless it and you will be blessed going in, blessed going out, blessed in the city, blessed in the field. Proverbs 3 and 9 says, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thy increase. None of it belongs to you. Don't ever forget that. No matter if you got a million, no matter if you got $10, none of it belongs to you. It all belongs to him. Steward it well. Let your personal business be a reflection of the goodness of God, the grace of God, and the power. Anybody getting anything out of this tonight? Please hear me. God's wanting to take us to a higher standard. Why does he want to take you to a higher standard? Because when you get to a higher standard, you're entrusted with more. If you get to a higher standard, you're going to be entrusted with more. What does that really mean? It means this. There's a harvest of souls that he can entrust in you. It means when we get our act together in this house and in our house, uh, then it means this, God will bring things into our house, which means this, there's prodigals that's coming. There, there, there's wayward children coming. There's increase coming. Uh, listen, I feel the anointing of the Lord while I teach this to you tonight. Uh, but listen, I, 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 I love the shouting aspect of everything. I love the emotional side of things. Uh, but I'm here to tell you, I have seen so much stuff through my life. Uh, and, and, and I see all of the struggle. I see all of the behind the scenes things that people are dealing with. Uh, but we've got to raise the standard because there's a generation that's dying and going to hell today. So I'm going to leave you with this. Not only are we to have raise a standard in our marriage, not only should we be godly parents uh, and we should rear our children in a manner that the word of the Lord says, uh, not only should we be an example in personal business, and this is the one that, this is maybe even one of the most important ones outside of those uh, that I could give you tonight is this. Uh, you and I have got to quit just killing ourselves. Personal health has got to be a priority for every one of us in this room. I know anointed, talented, gifted men and women of God that cannot fulfill their responsibility today because they did not take care of themselves. Allow me to share with you the following article that I read. It was almost two years ago when I read this article and I pulled it back out because I think it's worth reading. Because can I tell you, I'm a firm believer that you cannot take somebody to a place that you're not. And the reason that we see such a deterioration in health 
even within the, within the faith community, is because of the simple fact that we have a large percentage of people in spiritual leadership that is very unhealthy themselves. And we just want to give people a free pass because, well, of this or that. But listen, members of the clergy now suffer more obesity, hypertension, and depression at rates higher than most Americans. In the last decade, their use of antidepressants has risen while their life expectancy has fallen. Many will simply say this without hesitation, if I could, I would change career paths, I would change my job, I would no longer do what I'm doing. This article goes on to speculate on causes for the decline in the health of clergy today. The key culprit is this, it's a lack of boundaries. And I think that speaks to everyone in this room. It's not just to those that have a title in ministry. But pastors have an increasing number of expectations. Not only are they expected to function as CEOs of complex companies, not only are they expected to, to uh, meet the spiritual needs of individuals, but then not only are they expected to teach and to care for a large number of people at times, one researcher says from Duke University, and he sums it up like this, these people tend to be driven by a sense of duty to God. And therefore, they have to answer the call for help from anybody and everybody, and they virtually have no time off. 24-7, they are continually giving of themselves. But I have to bring you to a place of awareness today, but what does God have to say concerning this area of our lives? It's not about my opinion, but this is what the word of the Lord says about your health and about my health. We find this in 3 John chapter 1, verse number 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. Let me get this right at the very beginning. God wants you to be healthy. That's why he allowed his son to take 39 stripes on his back so you could walk in health. Please hear me. It is God's desire for us to be healthy. However, for you and I to be healthy, it requires us to live a disciplined life. He's not going to do it for us. If we would be honest today, we are a society that is out of control. We are responsible for ourselves. No one else is responsible for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20 tells us, Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God and you are not your own, but you are bought with a price and therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. This temporal house that you're living in, whether you live in it for 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, doesn't matter. Listen, it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. And you and I will give an account of how we take care of this body. We are called to be stewards. Please hear me. 1 Corinthians 10 and 31 says, Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Does it matter how good it tastes? Does it matter how, and listen, I, I understand that there's all, everybody is different, but one of the major issues that we have today in our society is this, is called people comfort eating. They're so stressed out, they're so embattled in their mind, the enemy is tormenting them, they comfort eat. And they're eating themselves into a place of an unhealthy state and it's nothing more than the trickery of the enemy because if I can get you unhealthy, you cannot fulfill your purpose. I'm preaching better than you're shouting tonight, but that's okay. 
We could not ignore the responsibility that we have when it comes to our health. I'm talking about a number on a scale. I'm not talking about a size of clothing. Every one of us is uniquely made in the image that God wants us to be made. There is little people, there is larger people. There is tall people, there is short people. So do not allow the enemy to get you in your mind saying, no, I have to be this size or I have to be this number. Listen, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being healthy, talking about being who God wants you to be and how he wants you to be. <coughs> Romans chapter 12 tells us that we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which are a reasonable service. How many knows you can't present your body if you can't move in your body? You can't go into the place in the presence of God if you are sick and stricken in the manner that he wants you to. Please hear me. We are taught in scriptures how to care for ourselves. Genesis chapter 1 verse number 29 tells us, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in which is the fruit of tree yielding seed to you and it shall be for meat for you. He said, I've given you healthy food. I've given you fruit trees. I've given you, and, but listen, I know proper and gander may, may, may make some things that taste good, but listen, you need to know what's in those ingredients. If it's not food, you don't need to eat it. Just because the FDA tells you you can put this and this and this in there and it'll be all right and it'll preserve it for five years doesn't necessarily need, mean you need to put it in your body. It's a trick of the enemy to get you to a place where your life is cut short. Oh, you wasn't planning on getting that tonight, was you? But it's okay. Keep on going, Ron. Keep on going. Genesis chapter 9, verses 1 through 4 tells us uh, that every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for us, meaning this, that he's given us dominion. He's talking to Noah and his sons after the flood. He said, listen, everything around you, uh, you have the authority over it. Let it grow, let it prosper, but bring it. But what he's telling us is that everything that you need, he said, just don't take of the blood. Don't, don't, don't eat blood, don't, don't drink blood, but you can take the meat of any animal, listen, uh, and, and that, that destroys a lot of arguments out there today that says you shouldn't eat this, shouldn't do that. Listen, you should sanctify, you should bless it, everything that you put in your mouth, uh, and you should do it into the place where you're in a balanced form and you can walk in health and strength. But it needs to be natural things. Now, I know that takes a little bit of time and dedication, that means you might have to say goodbye to some drive throughs that's feeding you stuff that's not necessarily food. But yet we do it under the umbrella of convenience. But can I tell you, it is killing us. Preacher, you're meddling. No, I'm not meddling. I'm trying to get you to a higher standard. Why is it that we ache so much? Why is it that our digestive system is so off uh, track? Uh, why is it that we see so many middle-aged women having so many issues? It's because of the things that we're putting in our lives. And then we have the, the listen, I, I understand that, you know, sometimes the people that love you the most is the people that also can get you in trouble. I was driving through Florida and Debbie said, oh, the light's on, the light's on, the light's on. I said, I quit that. Those of you know what the light is, is this. She said, there's a, that Krispy Kreme's right there. Yeah, it's right there. It's on, it's on, it's on. Yeah. I know she loves me, but does she love me or does she love, I don't know if she loves me like she should. She's saying, what she's saying is this, not meaning to, is, is listen, I take of that, take of that. It's going to kill you, but take it because you like it. Listen. 
What, I, what am I saying is there has to be a raising of the standard because, listen, when you begin to get a heartbeat of God, you realize this. i got to take advantage of every day I've got, and i got to live the best that I can, and i got to be as healthy as I can because I can't run this thing if I don't have strength. But a lot of the things we're putting in our body does not give us strength, but it makes us lethargic, and we can't even operate in the manner that we should. Hear me, I'm talking about raising a standard. Lord, why? (laughs) Many have cut their ministry short because of their inability to control their appetite. We're live, right? So I have to be careful. But I'm going to be honest. There's a man that I respect greatly. I respect his family greatly. He's a man that died too soon. He was a man of his generation. He was a man that everybody wanted to come to their church and preach. And when he preached, there was an anointing upon his life, power upon his life. If I, know, if I named his name, many of you would know him and you would know his family. His family, I'm connected to in many ways. Ministered together a lot. The old block church on 25th Street, across from the old Kmart. Those of you know what I'm talking about. Park Road Christian Center. Before the new building was ever built, they was going to rehab that block building. Now, as they began to rehab that building, there was if you and the building's still there, it's still structured in this manner. If you walk in the front door of it where the little porch is, you walk in on the left, there's two bathrooms. The deciding factor of which one of those bathrooms was going to be men and which one was going to be women was based on the fact of which one, because for once, the men got the bigger one, which goes against the norm. Women usually get the bigger bathroom. But in this instance, the men got the bigger of the two rooms because of the simple fact we got to get the bigger room because brother so-and-so he comes and preaches for us a lot and he just isn't able to fit in there we need to make sure that we are accommodating him true story i'm not speaking about his size but i'm speaking about this fact he would go into the homes of the people that he would preach for across this nation and they loved him and they wanted to care for him and they wanted to give to him And what they did not know was they was continually killing him instead of helping him. They brought no restraint, no boundaries. And when he would sit at their kitchen table, he would eat a bowl of gravy instead of a plate of gravy. And everybody laughed it off and thought, well, that's just the way it is. There was, he was out of control. Godly man, lovely man, a man that has touched the world, but he never raised the standard in his personal health. And he died prematurely. As I study history, I study moves of God and I study behavior. I spend a lot of time alone. But I said, God, why do some of these things happen? I am no scholar. I got a lot of things to figure out. But I've come to understand this. Us giving people a free pass and letting them live lives that's out of control, we will give an answer to. 
we have to raise the standard in health. There is a commission that's given to every one of us in this room. This commission cannot be ignored. It was called the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, and 20, 19 through 20. It says, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel. You hear me tonight, you can't go if you're not healthy. You can't go if you're not healthy. Many have cut their ministry short because of this inability to control their appetite. I do not believe that we can effectively teach others. This is one of the things that I hammered home with some of these young men and young women and others that I have stood and taught through the years. I cannot stand in this platform and tell you to live a disciplined life if I am completely out of control in my health. I can't do it. I cannot stand here and tell you to live a disciplined life if I do not have my marriage in order, if I don't have my children in order, if I don't have my personal business in order, nor if I don't have my health in order. I do not say this as a condemning thing at all, so please don't interpret it that. I'm going to tell you that every one of us in this room has found ourselves out of control in our health at some time in our life. You can be the thinnest person in here and be more out of control than anybody else in this room. It's not about size. You understand me? The enemy gets here and tells some, eat yourself to death. And tell somebody else, don't eat at all. Or you can even go eat healthy, but then go visit the restroom. That's not of God. It's a spirit of demonic influence trying to destroy you and destroy your health. Listen, I don't care how many vegetables you put in. If you go in and start gagging yourself and making it come right back up, listen, you're still under the demonic oppression of the enemy. And the enemy's trying to destroy your health. You hear me this evening, please. There's a generation that needs to experience and see God. Just for the record tonight, let me tell you, our health is not just determined by what we eat, but it's by having the right amount of rest. We must take time for ourselves and realize, and I'm closing, Genesis chapter 2, verse number 2 says, On the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work which he had made. Can I tell you, don't you think if God rested, we should rest? Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy uh, maidservants, nor thy uh, manservant, nor the cattle, nor the stranger that is with thee. But for in six days the Lord hath made the heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them and is rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Keep it holy. Listen, you should have rest. If you're working seven days a week, stop. 
You're not helping yourself. You're killing yourself. Oh, but I have to for my family. Listen, men, if you're doing seven days a week, stop. You are of no benefit to your family if you're gone. Your children and your grandchildren need you to be present. Turn it off. Shut it off. You got to be healthy. God created man in his image. If God rested, you and I should rest. As they come to the music this evening, what am I saying tonight in all of this is we are in a defining moment. We're in a moment where God is getting ready to do something amazing. God is getting ready to do something in the nations of the earth that man is not expected and that man is not prepared for. But there is a wave of his glory that's getting ready to come. I sincerely believe this with every fiber in me. God has saw, fault, uh, saw fit for you and I to be present at this time in history. Therefore, there has been given a responsibility for us. That responsibility is to be a godly example, is to lead others. Why are we here? We're not here just to take up space. Why are we here? The word of the Lord is very clear. Freely you have received, so freely give. What have we received? We have received Christ. We have received his love. We have received his salvation. That which we have received, we've received his healing, his deliverance, his miracle working power, his peace, his joy. These are all things that we have freely received from him. And therefore, he then commissions us to freely give it to others. How do we do that? By being an example. He teaches us to be salt. He teaches us to be light. Salt promotes thirst. I'm going to ask this question. Is your life promoting thirst for those that are seeing and witnessing how you're living? What do I mean by that? Is this when people began to partake of the things that you're involved with, as they're beginning to look at your marriage, do they begin to thirst for that marriage? When they see how you're parenting your children and how your children are respecting to this day, to this day, I can come across older people and they will say this, you're one of those Russell kids, aren't you? Yes, ma'am, or yes, sir. Well, I remember your mommy and I remember your daddy. Oh, they were wonderful people. And I said, well, thank you. But then it's usually followed up with something like this. I can remember just like it was yesterday, sweetie, how your mama would bring in all those kids and line them up on the front row. Listen. We understood and we respected authority. I don't know what happened to some of them when they got older, but when they was under the roof of the house, Lord help them. Listen, but we always, I will tell you this, in the midst of all of the craziness of our family, and I have a wonderful, wonderful family, here's the one thing that I can say about every one of my siblings. I have never witnessed, I have never witnessed one of my siblings ever disrespect my mother or my father. Even in their darkest, most sinful place that they found themselves in, I never saw them disrespect my mother or my father.
what am I saying is this. We have got to set the standard in our marriage, in how we raise our children, in our personal business, and in our health. If we are not healthy, please hear me. If we are not healthy in our marriage, if we're not healthy, if we are not healthy in our business, if we're not healthy in our health, if we are not healthy families, let me ask you this question. Why in the world would God bring increase into the house that we are associated with and running and leading? God will not bring infants and put them in the hands of people that is not able to care for them. That's why you and I need to be healthy. There is a harvest that is getting ready to be brought to the storehouse in America. But it has to be brought into a place where there is health. Because please hear me, where there is health, where there's emotional health, spiritual health, family health, physical health, it's a place of strength. But not only is it a place of strength, but it's a safe place. There's a world that God's wanting to bring into a safe place. So how do we get there, preacher? We get there by simply taking the hard steps of bringing this flesh under subjection and saying, not my will, but your will be done, O God. And every day we get up and we choose. We choose. We choose to do what is right. We choose to say no to the things we should not, that we shouldn't say yes to. And we choose to say yes to the things that we should. For those of you that are not married, one day you probably will be married. Make sure that the foundation of your marriage is the biblical principles that God has set. And you will walk in a place where God will honor and bless your marriage. If you're raising children or raising grandchildren, please hear me. Love them. Spoil them. But also correct them. Teach them. Direct them. Guide them. Point their feet to the house of God. But also point their minds to the scripture. Scripture should be found throughout your house. Your decor should be made up in some way, somehow. You can have it how you want. But in every room of your home, every doorway going in and going out, somehow, some way, you should figure out a way how to put the word of the Lord in your home. Every room that your child goes to, they should see something that glorifies the name of Jesus. Personal business, if you have a business, the decor of your business should honor the Lord. Your name should be a name that when people hear it, it says you can count on them. They do what they say. They're here when they say. They accomplish what they set out to do. You can trust them. That should be able to be said about every man, every woman. Whether they own the business or whether, listen, as men and women of God, we should be the best employees that anybody should have. We should set the standard. We shouldn't come in late. 
You say, you're meddling now, preacher. No. You shouldn't come in late. You should be early. You should set the standard. You should beat your boss there. You say, you're stretching it. No. Set the standard. Your health. Listen. I learned something from a man that has had great success. I'll leave you with this. Whether you like him, whether you don't, doesn't matter to me. I have no feelings either way. No, don't know much about him. But Floyd Mayweather, he made this statement. He's a man that has a lot of wealth. He understood. He said, listen, I I want my children to live the life that I live. And he said, I want them to live a sustained life in the manner that I live. And it's it's an extravagant lifestyle. That's his priority. That's, That's his priority. But he said, in order for me to make sure that they're able to live in this sustained manner, I have to do one thing. I have to take care of myself because I'm the one. I'm the bread and the butter, so to speak. I'm the one that's paying for it. I'm the one that's providing for it. So in order for me to make sure that my children can live on this level, I have to do one thing. I have to invest in my health. This is what he said. I invest a million dollars a year in my health. A million dollars a year in his health. He said, to make sure that I'm the best that I can be so I can be the best that I can be as long as I can be so that my family can live on this level. Listen, he understood that I have to invest in myself. Why do I say that? It's because of this. It takes a priority, and I understand this in the real world. It is more expensive to eat healthy. It's just the way it is. But if you can throw down $60 for pizza and breadsticks and meat and cheese nachos and straw, uh, cherry vanilla Cokes and all of that for one time and say, oh, that was good, and it might be. I'm not against that if you do that. But you'd be better served. And you'd better serve your family, and you'd better serve the kingdom of God if you take that $60 and go buy healthy food that will last you for a few days. Because I'm not talking about just the present. I'm talking about the long term. I'm talking about this understanding. Understanding that if I'm not healthy, I can't fulfill my purpose. I'm not so naive that I know this. If you implement, if you implement what I've taught tonight, you will have to change your schedule. You will have to change the way you're living your life in some way, shape, or fashion. But I want to ask this question in closing. If we make those changes, isn't it worth it to help usher in a move of God where men and women can be delivered and set free and where your family can walk in the blessings and the power of God? How can you put a price on a soul? How can you put a price on a harvest? How can you put a price on ushering your family and your children into the throne room of God. You can't put a price on it. I wonder today, will we be willing to raise the standard as we stand all over the house tonight?
You say, preacher, it sure is a different atmosphere tonight than it was this morning. I'm not going to apologize for it. I love you enough to be honest and truthful with you. I want you to experience the goodness of God, the fullness of God, the abundance of God in your life. And that doesn't just happen. But it happens when you make a decision to raise the standard. So what are we going to do? Here's what I I think we need to hear tonight. Husbands and wives, you need to begin to date again. Fall in love again. Mamas and daddies, grandmas and grandpas, don't buy into the lie of the enemy that is telling you if you bring correction to those children that they're not going to love you. Listen, when you bring correction and discipline and you teach them and train them the things of God, that's the greatest love that you can ever give to a child. And they interpret it as so. Let your business be the business that your competitors become envious of because they simply see the hand of God upon it continue to be blessed and over and above what you could ever do yourself. But let the blessings of God be upon it because your word is good. Because you're committed. Because you follow through. And I'm not saying that everybody's got to go get on a diet or do all that kind of stuff. No, I'm talking about self-examine and ask yourself the hard question. Am I eating to live or am I living to eat? It's a difference. Get yourself under control because you got work to do. We got things to do. We got ministry to do. We got people to love on. We got people to help. We got ministry to do. You've got ministry to do. So let's raise the standard. Dear Heavenly Father, tonight I thank you. I thank you for your precious people in this room and those that have joined us tonight by way of internet and all of our platforms. Lord, those that are with us presently and those that will listen in the future, Lord, I pray that this teaching tonight would not fall on deaf ears, but I pray that it would penetrate the heart of every individual because, Lord, this is not a message of condemnation, but this is a message of awareness and awakening for us to become the best that we can be for the kingdom of God. Lord, I'm thankful for your grace. I'm thankful for your mercy. I thank you for the healing virtue that has been applied to our lives and what we've experienced throughout our lives. But Lord, today in this moment, I do believe that we're doing and experiencing a new thing. Lord, I think that just by the time alone with you and in your word and what I sense you're putting in our spirits and not just ours, but men and women across this globe right now, that you're desiring to do a new work, a new thing in this very moment of time. And therefore, Lord, that's going to require us to raise the standard. And we're okay with that. 
And Lord, we simply want to say this, you can count on us. But Lord, we know this, we cannot lean to our own understanding, but we must lean on your understanding and we must have your word. We must have your direction and your guidance. So today, Father, that's what we're asking for. Let your word be a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. And Lord, we're asking for a fresh visitation of your Holy Spirit to settle down upon every family, every individual, every husband, every wife, every son, every daughter. Lord, I pray that there would just be clarity come to your people in this season. Lord, I pray that we would understand that that which you have commissioned us to do is, is something that cannot be ignored, but it's something that we have to, that we have to run after. Oh, we have to run after it. Because today, Lord, we have been shaken even this week by the loss of friends and people we've known that, in our opinion, left prematurely. They wasn't old-aged individuals, but they've, they've stepped into eternity. So today, Lord, we know this, that this is the day. We have no promise of tomorrow, but this is the day that we've been given. So today, in this day, we need to be healthy we need to be full of strength. We need to be full of vigor. We need to be full of passion and desire. But most of all, we need to be filled with your anointing today. So today, Lord, I pray for every marriage. I pray for every husband, Lord. I pray for every wife. Lord, I pray for every parent, every grandparent tonight. Lord, I pray for every business owner every individual that has responsibility of leading a group of people, leading a business of any sort. Lord, I pray that you would give them wisdom, knowledge, understanding. Let them be the example. Lord, I pray for every one of us in this room that our personal health would become a priority for us. For Lord, we know it's a priority for you. So Lord, let us, let us go to your word and let your word teach us and let us submit to it in a manner where we would not be putting things into our bodies that are destructive, but Lord, let us put things in our body that will bring us strength and health. Lord, one of the greatest travesties today is that we see a generation that is not getting rest. So the Lord, today I pray that you would help us realign and get to that place where we will find that place of rest. Let us not go against your word and your commandment, but Lord, let us rest. Because we know this, that when we rest, Lord, not only do we get a physical resurgence, but also we get a mental resurgence and we get a spiritual visitation as well because it's in those times of rest that you come. It's in the stillness, Father, that you come and you speak to us. So, Lord, today I pray that we would prioritize rest. And Lord, we ask these things in your precious name. And, Lord, as we're here on a Sunday evening, Lord, we thank you for your 
presence in the house this morning. We thank you for the life that's been changed and transformed over these last few weeks and the miracle working power on display in situations and circumstances. But Lord, we're starting a brand new week. And Lord, I pray that you would lead and guide every individual, every family. And Lord, I pray that you would just undergird them by your Holy Spirit. Strengthen them, empower them, and equip them. And Lord, let us apply that which we have heard today. And we'll give you the glory, the honor for all that is done. And the church says, amen. And hey everybody, it's Pastor Jade Abrams here. I just want to thank you for watching and joining with us today. We're so glad that you chose to be with us. We just encourage you to stay in contact with us. Click, follow, subscribe on all of our social media platforms to stay up to date what's happening here at PTC. We bless you in Jesus' name and we love you and so does God. Have a good day.